What's up, YouTube? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Bar Podcast live stream, episode 89. I feel like I should have some like theme music or something by now. You think almost 90 episodes I'd have theme music. And now that I have this StreamYard platform, I actually probably could start out with some kind of cool little intro video or something like that. But you know what? That makes it seem like it's too put together and we don't want to do that. Nonetheless, here we are, episode 89, and honestly, this is an episode that I, I've been struggling with, but um, we'll talk about that. Essentially, the reason that this Biker Bar podcast started was because I would come out to the garage and do these like epic live streams on the Biker channel, for those of you guys that aren't aware of this, so... That's kind of how, how it began. And um, because of that, I just realized that, you know, people, I, I actually didn't really quite understand it because I, I personally don't like being alone. And my lady would travel a lot for work. So anytime she wasn't home and the kids weren't here because I, I uh, they would be at their mom's house or something like that, I would just come out to the garage regardless of what day of the week it was turn on the camera and then it would just happen, man. And that's just, that's the way things went, you know? And it was really, realistically, the main reason that I did that was just because I don't like being alone. So it was either go to the bar or something like that, or like just go out to the garage and tie one on and freaking talk to all your, your, your YouTube buddies uh, about mountain bikes. Right. So after a while of doing that, I, I realized that I, you know, I kind of like, I kind of would be interviewing the people that I was talking to and I started getting into podcasts. And at the time I really wanted like to find a mountain bike podcast that I could listen to. And I'm going to crack this beer open here. Ooh, that sounded good. This is going to be the last uh, night of drinking before I go back to not drinking for a while because of the diet. So these are going to be some good beers I'm having with you guys. So I started looking for a podcast to listen to and all the podcasts I listened to didn't do what I wanted to do or didn't do what I wanted to hear. I just wanted to hear like some regular guys talking about bikes, the way that me and my friends would talk about bikes and like kind of, kind of get intrigued that way. I didn't want some like, overly descriptive review kind of podcast. I didn't want a like highly technical podcast because that, that shit just doesn't, it doesn't get like, doesn't get me excited. So I started, I started uh, looking around and finally I got to the point where I was like, well, I think I can just do this on my own. And I remember I was talking to at the time, I think it was regular guy mountain biking. And I kept telling him because he had these like interviews that he was doing on his, his channel. And I kept telling him, dude, you should just do an interview show. Like, honestly, you're really good at it. Like, screw trying to do the product reviews and stuff on your channel. Just just do that. And um, and he never listened to me. So I kept get I got tired of like asking him to do it. And I kind of didn't want to do it because I really thought that like I didn't want to like step on his feet, you know. And eventually I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it myself. And it sounds like a good idea. Plus at the time 
I had gone through like the first two years of my channel, my biker channel of just giving it everything I had. And, um, I, you know, I still had a full-time job and I was easily putting another full-time job worth of hours into my channel for like the first two years. And it just got to a point where, where I like had neglected my relationships with my family and my kids, not, you know, overly, but I definitely wasn't giving them the attention that they should be getting. And in, in, at the same time, my channel wasn't growing like gangbusters the way that I really wanted to see it grow compared to the amount of effort that I was putting in. So, I mean, there's plenty of reasons we can talk about why it wasn't growing, but we can get on with that later. Nonetheless, um, about that time I was getting burned out. I was really getting burned out on editing. I was, it was just getting to be so much work and, and I wasn't getting the, I wasn't feeling like I was getting the reward. And the reward for me would have been like just seeing that subscriber count grow fast. And, and, uh, it just wasn't happening. And maybe it just, maybe it was happening. And in hindsight, I look back on it. Maybe it was happening. I just was like too, too anxious for it to keep happening faster. Whatever the reason was, I was burned out. And, um, I felt like starting to do the biker bar podcast or the biker bar interviews, uh, live streams at the time was like a way that I could keep making content on my channel, keep people interested in biker and not have to edit as much and, uh, just take a swing at it, kind of see how it went. So I, th I mean, those of you guys that have been along for the ride from the very beginning, thank you. I really appreciate it. I mean, it means a lot to me. Anybody that's just subscribed, that means a lot to me as well. Um, those of you that are thinking about subscribing and haven't done it yet, go ahead and hit that button. You know where it is. Like, I know YouTubers say it all the time over and over again, but hit the subscribe button. I guess that kind of comes back to what I was saying a minute ago. Like, I really wanted to see that. So um, I started doing the these interviews, you know. Well, actually... I talked about it for a while and this is typical for me. I talk about actually wanting to do something for a long time until, until I actually commit. So I talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. One night I decided I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I probably had a, I, I'm I, not probably, I remember distinctively, I had a pretty good buzz going on and I wanted to do a live stream. And I was like, you know what? This is not going to be a regular live stream. This is going to be me saying that I'm starting the, 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 the biker bar, right? So that was episode one. And if you go back and listen to episode one, it's a shit show. <laughs> it sucks because whenever I like go to look at a podcast that has a whole shitload of episodes like mine does at this point, I will always kind of listen to that first episode. Man, nobody ever, ever has their shit together the first episode. They're always, you know, just kind of winging it. And uh, when you listen to that episode, it's definitely not like it's not the same as what the show turns into later. But um, it's very, uh, very close to the old biker bar pod or the biker live streams. So um, anyways, so I winged it. And then um, I, then after that, once once I did it, like I was committed, I was committed to doing it. I, I told people I was going to do it. So I needed to. And um, I needed that. I need that like kind of uh, pressure to motivate me to do something, right? 
so then I came up, you know, with, with, with whoever I could, I think it was like single track sampler and, um, BKXE. I'm pretty sure Richard from sticker was one of my first guests and it started long and, um, and it, and it went great. And, uh, it was, it was doing what I wanted to do. I didn't have to edit much, you know, it was like, get done, make a thumbnail, maybe, you know, and, uh, that was it. And, it, and, uh, that was pretty cool. And as time went on, there was a couple of things that happened. So I started kind of like getting a little burned out on the podcast and not that I was burned out on doing it, but I was burned out because it was every Sunday at five. And, um, that means that your weekend would be, or my weekend our family's weekend would always be kind of cut short. Cause it would be like, you know, if you were camping, normally you could like do whatever, not leave the campground and pack your campground up until noon and hang out at the lake all day or whatever. And then come home at like six o'clock or whatever. Right. And, um, and then at that point, um, it just started getting to the, to the point where it was like every weekend there was like a day, one day shorter. Right. So normally it would be like, you know, you're kind of trying to wrap things up. Or even if you went on a ride, you can't go on a ride very far away. These sound like first world problems, but I'm just trying to let you guys know kind of like what played into it. And um, then, then you know, I just kind of, kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of getting burned out on this. But the other thing, and, and it wasn't enough to make me stop. And honestly, I don't know what actually made me stop. Maybe it'll come to me while we're talking about it. But um, the other thing was something that I'm trying to remember. I'll try to drink this beer a little bit. See if that sparks the memory. <laughs> mm -hmm. It didn't spark the memory, but damn, that's a good IPA. If you guys don't go, if you got, I don't know if you can get this nationally. Breaking Bud by Knee Deep Brewing. It's my favorite IPA right now. So... The other thing that was happening with the biker bar, now I remember what it was, was that people were subscribing because at the time I was still doing biker content, just not as much as I was before. Like before that, I was probably doing like at least one to two episodes or one to two videos a week on biker. And then um, whenever I started doing the biker bar, it was definitely like kind of like one every other week or one every week or something, something to that effect. And <clears throat> I started getting all the, the like these different subscribers, but I couldn't tell if the people were subscribing because they they really liked biker, like the POV videos and whatever I was doing there, or they really liked the 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 podcast or the the interviews. Because at that point it was I don't even no it wasn't a podcast it was just a live stream. That's all it was. So um kind of went along with that for a while and it was just it was getting to, to me like I really didn't know I couldn't tell where the subscribers were and it really felt like it was uh it was like messing up my analytics or like the way that YouTube would promote my videos because it would I would have these live streams that maybe didn't have as many views but they had you know so much watch time, like people would watch it for two hours, right? You know, and uh, but then on the other hand, my regular videos, maybe people would only watch for a couple of minutes and split 
and because that's just the way you know YouTube videos go. We all have ADD on the internet, right? And um, so I felt like that was keeping like the the biker bar interviews were keeping the regular videos from kind of growing the way that they could have or being shown the way that they should have. Or it could be wrong. It, I mean, it could be totally wrong, but um, that's just the way I felt. So anyways, between those two things, I was like, you know what? I need to take a break. I don't know how long this break's going to be. And I took a break. And um, it was cool. It was like right, right on. I needed a break. Got my weekends back. I'll do that again if I feel like it. And uh, along the way, I was missing it. I was missing the conversations. I was missing talking to the people. I was, um, I just liked the way that this, this, this show kind of came to be. And uh, at that point, a um, bunch of time went by. I don't even know how long my break was. It might even been another year. Like, who knows what it was. It was a long time. I remember it was quite a minute, quite amount of time. And uh, I was in Sedona for the mountain bike festival, whenever it was, probably at this point two years ago. Yeah, I guess that would be about right. Or a year ago. No, it was a year ago then, because it would have been like, right before covid yeah that was the last one that every it was like the last hurrah before covid and while i was there i was talking to seth and he was like dude are you still doing the pod the, your interviews and the biker bar and i was like nah kind of like here and there not really and he was like man you should really you should really uh you should get on that because you're really good at it and uh why don't you give me a call and uh, i'm gonna talk to you about it so i didn't know what that meant you know, I didn't know what that meant at all. Cause, um, and, and like, you know, when somebody like Seth is, you know, Hey, hit me up. Let's talk about it. I'm like, what does this mean? Does this mean he wants to like help me with it? Does he want to give me like advice? I didn't know. I really didn't know. And, um, but I was excited about it. It was like, well, that's cool, man. No, no matter what it is that he's, he's into, that would be really cool. Cause I had asked him several times over the, I don't know, it was like a year and a half or whatever two years that I was doing the biker bar before that um to be a, a guest and he he never never was on he always had something come up and then later towards the end he was like ah, I don't really feel like that's gonna gonna work out for like whatever kind of branding that he was doing for his channel at the time so I got it I mean it's your it's your gig right you do what you want and uh so I called him and basically when I called him, he was just telling me about like, look, this is what you need to do, man. You're really good at this. You need to like do X, Y, Z and just keep at it. And before you know it, you'll be able to grow you'll, your channel will grow and blah, 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 whatever. It wasn't like some super motivational like thing. He was basically telling me everything I, I already knew, but it was really felt good to hear it again from somebody else and, you know, to kind of be like, um, kind of like, uh, I can't think of the word. Maybe one of you guys in the comments can think of it. Like not, not like not justified, but like, um, I don't know. Anyways, like he understood what I was doing. He saw value in it and it felt good to hear that. So, so because of that and our conversation, he decided that he would, he would be on the show. So that was when I decided to start season two. And when I started season two, I also made a separate channel because I really wanted to get away from what happened when I was just doing the biker bar live stream. So I wanted to be able to know that the people 
that were here listening to me and hitting subscribe and hitting thumbs up were here because validated. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that, Dave. The people that were here were here for the biker bar and, um, and they weren't like getting bombarded with content that they didn't want. You know, if you were, if you were on the biker channel and you didn't give a shit about a two hour episode, that would be annoying to get notified about it all the time. Right. And same goes the other way around. Like if you're here to listen to some conversations and some people in the industry or other YouTubers talk and you're getting fat Rob bitching about climbing and uh, drinking beer, maybe it's not what you wanted. <laughs> so, so we started up, started up the new channel, started up the, uh, the season two is as I called it, which really wasn't a season. It was just my excuse for not doing it for a while. And uh, boom, you know, we hit the road running again. And in this second year or second season, I really, um, I really, really wanted to, to see how well this thing could do. And I knew from my experience before that people really liked it but I didn't see a lot of growth from it. So I, I kind of had this idea that the way a podcast or a long format interview kind of thing goes on YouTube is it doesn't go quickly. And um, at least that's been my experience. So over the last year, I wanted to see the channel in a year, like my pipe dream was if the channel could be at 10,000 subscribers. Right now we're probably about a year. I am. Um, I don't remember when I started season two. I think it's ish around now. Maybe it was a month ago, a year ago. Um, somewhere around this time of year is when I started it. And uh, somebody could probably go on here and go back and look. It would have been the two, the, the episode with Seth. I think I've had him on there on again since then, though. So it'd probably be the second one back. Whatever the longest one is back in the day it probably would have been like episode 40 high 40s yeah it would have been like high 40s something like that 47 48 something like that anyways let's talk about that so 10,000 subs that was my like that was my moonshot that was like if this thing really takes off i could have 10,000 subs in a year and i would be like over the moon but the idea was in order to like get there what Seth had talked to me about was having content every day. So that meant whenever you did the, whenever I did the, the interviews that afterwards I'd cut them up into clips and then have clips, you know, released on the days that I didn't have the interview. YouTube would see that as content every day. You guys would, by the end of the year, I'd have a whole boatload of clips that were out there on the internet as well as, um, as well as the, all the interviews. So, that was that, you know, and um, that I did it. I did it for a while. And in my typical fashion of what I've what I've noticed with myself in YouTube is if I'm not seeing like the doors getting broke open, I start losing my mo motivation. And I think that's that's typical. You know, you put a boatload of work or a boatload of time or energy or passion into something. And if you don't see the results that you that like that maybe you're dreaming in your head then it makes it less, less motivating to do. Right. So anybody that's listening to the podcast, whenever you hear a, a, a long pause, I'm not, I'm not just 
staring blankly into the screen. It's me drinking this amazing IPA. Any of you guys out there are IPA drinkers, throw up your IPA, your favorite IPA in the comments. That'd be cool to see. I'm going to come back to where I was with the podcast and what I was saying in a minute. I do want to thank everybody that's on Patreon. The guys that are on Patreon supporting this channel and the other channel, the, the channels, the biker brand, the biker, the biker community, you guys that are out there. I can't thank you guys enough. From the time that I started the Patreon, it has been the main thing that keeps me motivated. And I'm not saying that like money is the only thing that motivates me, but there's like several parts of the Patreon thing. It's yes, the money helps because at the end of the day, the money helps me buy all this stuff that I had no idea it was going to take to, to build a YouTube channel. Like I, when I was watching BKXE start his channel and quit his job at 5,000 subs, I was like, man, all I need is a gimbal and a fucking hero four. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to town, right? I need some editing software. I'll probably find that for free and, and get at it. And uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff that, I mean, you can do it. You can do it with that. But along the way, you want to make better content. And it just causes you to do things like buy lights and buy a better microphone for the podcast or buy a better webcam for your, your computer or buy the whatever all this stuff man it just stupid mounts and you're like oh, i want to try this product and all the money that you guys put into patreon pays for all of those things and it, on the other thing that it does is it gives me something that i'm responsible for to you guys like i'm responsible to you or responsible that's not the word i'm fucked up with my words today but whatever i feel commitment to you guys that are on Patreon because you're paying your money, your hard-earned money for like to support me and see this channel grow and see this channel put out content. And whether you're deciding to do that for a dollar or you're deciding to do that for $25 or $5 or whatever you're, I got one the other day for $5 and one cent. I don't know why he put the extra penny in there, but I'm down. Um, <laughs> anyways, every two months I get his two cents, right? <laughs> so, um, so I appreciate you guys at the end of the day. I really appreciate you guys. Anybody that has supported this channel with Patreon. Thank you here. I'm gonna raise the glass here. We'll do a little, I don't know if you can hear that on the microphone, do a little cheers to the microphone here. Do a little, little, had a little beer with it, with everybody out there. It's got a beer right now. Raise your glass. Let's have a little drink, a little toast to the Patreon people. All right. That was delicious. We should probably do that more often. <laughs> All right. So the other people that I really uh, am appreciative of, is that even a word appreciative? I think that's one of those ones that I made up. It's possible. It's quite possible. Um, is anybody that's bought some swag, man, like this shirt that I'm wearing right now, this is the, whoop, the B one cur shirt. Those of you guys that can't see it because you're listening, it says B one cur on it. Because when I, everybody just massacres the name of this channel and I, and they don't massacre it. They like, they, everybody has their own way of saying the biker channel. And it's funny to me because they're like, well, how am I supposed to say it? It's like B1 Kerr or B1 Biker, Biker B1, um, all these, I don't know. There's so many different versions, but we B1 Kerr was one of them that 
initially kind of irritated me because I was like, I don't understand how people are coming up with Bewunker. Like, for real, I start every episode, uh, every video that I made on my channel. What's up, YouTube? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Channel, B1. Like, I just said the name of the channel, like, every time. How do they get this wrong? So, people always said B1ker, and people that knew me knew that B1ker bothered me, and apparently the way that I pick my friends are, A, you have to be an asshole, and B, you have to be an asshole, and C, you have to, like, drink beer being an asshole. I didn't realize that's what my, that's how I did it. I'm not, it sounds so much worse when you say it out loud. <laughs> Anyways, so I ended up embracing the B1ker down the road because I was like, you know what? It's actually kind of funny. And enough of my friends and my family, including my children, like to call it B1ker all the time. And uh, I embraced it. So I made this shirt and this is actually the one shirt that I've sold the most of the entire time I've had this channel. I've been really surprised how many people have decided to like this shirt and purchase it, like it enough to purchase it. So it says B1Ker on the front. It's got the new B1Ker logo or the new B1 logo, the cog and the, the B1. And then on the left sleeve, I had to think about that, is a little American flag. Got a Santa Cruz Bronson on it. It says only takes a bike. And on the back, Right under the neck, there's about a small little logo. That's a little B1 logo back there, too. If you guys want to get one, you can go buy the biker shop on the biker website, b1kear.com or shop.biker.com and uh, pick one up. Pick one up like these other people. And those are the other people that I wanted to thank was anybody that's gone by the shop. Gone by the shop and picked up one of my slap koozies. These things are great. Just slap it on your on your beer or your wrist like that, and boom, you got yourself a koozie. I've been using these koozies for other things though too. This koozie also, you can slap it on your down tube whenever you're shuttling and it'll keep your down tube from getting uh, scratched up if you don't have one of those protectors on. And lately, I've actually been using this, one of these on my fork stanchion because on my tip, oh, excuse me, beer burp, on my tailgate pad, the way that my bike is, for some reason, one of the stanchions rubs it excuse me, rubs against the, the tailgate. So I started putting that on the, the stanchion. So it stops from uh, rubbing all the, all the, all the good stuff off of it. So, um, that was, that was pretty, um, those are the things that you can pick up. I think you can pick up one of these cool cups too. These tumblers it says B1 on it. And then you can use your Patreon stickers to decorate it. But this one is stuck there forever. These things keep two beers very cold all the way to the bottom or I drink water out of it all day long. <clears throat> Anyways, that's the biker shop. Anybody that's been over there and picked up anything over the last, since this channel started, holy shit, this channel, the biker brand, let's call it that the biker channels. The first one started in 2017 and uh, it's been a long time. I really thought that I would be fucking famous by now throwing hundred dollar bills and buying Lamborghinis. But apparently that's not in the cards <laughs> yet. But anybody that feels free to start dropping like, um, what do they call that? Super chats of insane amounts of money or slightly more than a penny amounts of money. It would be great. I could collect thousands of cents through 
the super chats right now and that would make me totally stoked for the second anniversary of the biker bar anyways let's let's get on let's let's get on with the with the with the show here so anyways um so i didn't start this episode with any kind of agenda at all because that's how the old biker live streams used to go just be come out here you guys throw up some questions and uh, I could answer them. I could play off of that and we could go from there. So if you guys have anything that you've been curious about as far as the channel goes or the guests that I've had or whatever, um, I'm in. And I'm going to cheers right now to we're within MTV. Kicked off the uh, super chat with 20 bucks. I don't respond to the super chats normally during the shows because I don't want this show to be a like super chat response show. But every time somebody puts up a super chat, it means a ton to me. It really does. Um, you guys, you guys support this channel. You guys stand by this channel. Every time I meet you guys out on the trail, you guys are awesome. And I appreciate that. And thank you so much for everything that you guys do. I really, really mean that. Now we got Charlie coming up too. I'm going to have to make this the super chat live stream. No, we're not going to do that. Anyways, thank you. Both you guys appreciate it. <clears throat> um, so this is the second year. I didn't hit the, I didn't hit the 10,000, you know, but there is one thing that I did do in this. There's actually like two things that I utterly failed at in my season that I wish I would have done, like wish I would have been able to like not have that as a failure right now. So one of them is 10,000 subs didn't get that. My bottom line was like, man, I, if I got 5,000 subs, I'll keep going. But anything less than that, I don't think I'm gonna keep doing the biker bar. Um, those of you guys that are driving and your hands are occupied or whatever, and you're trying to get over the channel to figure out how many subscribers I have, I think it's around 3,000. So I didn't hit the five either. Um, that kind of sucks. It is what it is, though, because I did do two things. Or I'm sorry, there's still that other thing that I didn't do that I should have done. And that was I got in, I was doing the clips, I was keeping at it, and doing the episode, like all the little, little stuff all the time. And, uh, next thing you know, life got busy. I don't remember what it was, but it's very easy to like, once you put off doing those clips one week, then you have like the next week where you're like, Oh, I got to do the ones from last week. And I got to do the ones from this week. And I, um, I'm one of those people that whenever you start piling up too much stress, then I just like shut off. I'm like, fucking, I'm not doing it. And, uh, that's kind of what happened. So I stopped doing the clips and I really, truly believe that if I would have done the clips the whole year, I think I would be at 5,000 now because I started doing the clips again, minus last week, which I'm not too happy about, but Hey, went to the Vegas with the lady. That was fun. Didn't get around to the clips. It just didn't work out. So next week, extra clips. That's what we'll do next week. Extra clips. So I didn't hit, I didn't hit the 5,000, didn't hit the 10,000, but what did I do? I didn't do the clips. That sucks too, but what did I do? What I did do was have a great season of interviews, like a really good season of interviews. I really changed the format of the show to be able to like have this new StreamYard platform that I'm talking on that I can have guests on. It looks really put together and um, 
I've been proud of that. And I um, also, I think this is the most important thing here too, is I also, I also somehow figured out like a work-life balance with it. And I think the way that I did that was last time I would book out, man, I would book the show out like two months in advance, at least two months in advance. And so it would be like, I felt like it was good too, because like then when I would talk to companies, I'd be like, Hey, yeah, my next opening is like two months from now. I can pencil you in, you know? And, but what it also did was it never gave me the opportunity to be able to just like not have a show that weekend if I didn't really feel it, you know? And, um, that's what I did successfully in season two In season two, I have successfully allowed myself, Hey, you know what? Next weekend we got something going on. Fuck it. Not doing the show, man. Or I'd have somebody on like Tuesday instead, you know? And, uh, that was the other thing. Last time I wouldn't, I wouldn't budge on the time. Like it's Sunday at five and that's it. But this season, I mean, like sometimes there's somebody who wants to do it on Thursday. I'm like, you know what? Let's do it on Thursday. Cause I'm not paying you. I'm not flying you out to my house to talk. So, uh, here we are. And that honestly, it really, that was that, that's probably the thing that I'm most proud of is the fact that I didn't like, I don't really feel like I burned, burned out on the show in the last year, even though I didn't hit the, the subscriber goal, the big subscriber goal or the little subscriber goal. I'm really happy with like where the show's going and all the, all of you that are here listening. Um, I, I really appreciate that. Um, and I'm stoked. So sometimes there's not a show like next weekend. There's not going to be a show. It's Memorial day weekend. I should just go out, have a good time, you know, live my life. And, uh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to stress about it either. And because of that, that's why this season two is going to keep going. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need a break right now. Cause I, I feel like I'm doing it right. And I appreciate that. Like, I, I'm really like, I'm stoked about that. So I think you guys get it. I probably said it like 16 times already. So Randy Burke, he threw up a question here. He says, how hard is it to get people to come on the podcast? Um, that's actually more time consuming than I ever thought it would be. Because um, sometimes, man, you have to play tag with people for like months. Sometimes like, like Seth. I mean, I was like, I'd reach out to him every couple of months or I'd, you know, he'd be like, talk to me in another month. And then, oh, well, I got this going on or, you know, and some other people are that way too. Or like, uh, recently there was a major bike brand that I was trying to get on. And in order for them to consider, I needed to like put together some kind of like presentation for them. And then whenever I did that, it was like, you know, that that's like a day I burned on building some PowerPoint to make myself look presentable to a company or whatever. And, uh, you kind of chase them around. And then sometimes like you'll, you'll have a few good conversations with somebody, but you can't lock a date in. And I maybe forget about them for a while, or they forget about me for a while. And then like six months later, you're trying to like going through your old email. You're like, Oh shit, that's right. I totally forgot about company X. And, um, it comes together. The other thing is, is like, it was a lot easier for me to get guests when pre COVID because it was, um, all these events going on and at an event, it's really easy for me to come up, be show that I'm personable, show that, you know, I'm standing there talking to them and somebody else is coming up and asking me to like, 
fist bump them because they watch my channel like that like does well you know or they're like hey can i get a sticker or something you know like the, that happening in front of the marketing executive that i'm trying to get on the show they're like oh okay this guy's not bullshit because they probably have you know 100 emails a day from some dude that has a youtube channel trying to get free shit that um that they're like they just you know they can't do it for everybody right so um so that makes it difficult not having any any events for the last year i've really been um using my network you know and that's the people that i've learned or that i've met throughout this you know biker experience that i've had and um apparently i mean i know a lot more people than i thought i did you know and uh it's been really cool too because the more episodes that i have on the biker biker bar um the more that other companies are willing to 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 talk you know having some somebody like envy on or box components or you know, Cali Protectives or Revel Bikes, you know, these bigger named companies that everybody knows, that that means a lot to other marketing executives because they're like, hey, well, or other companies, they're like, hey, if they talk to them, obviously we should talk to them too. Or they talk to them, it gives me gives me some credence, you know? And um, so that's exciting. That's exciting to see what, what companies, you know, we can get on next year and what other... Um, personalities and maybe athletes you know people that um i, I hadn't really tried to reach out to in the past we can can start getting them on anybody has any kind of like a um suggestion for a guest or something like that shoot me a dm or you can say something on the uh actually on on the the screen and um you know what i will uh Try my best to follow up and do that. Where the hell is this comment? Somewhere on here, I clicked this comment from Randy. Um, I need to find Randy's comment because it like went away. Because I think I have to re-click on that one to get it to come off the screen. And at this point, I feel like, oh, there it is. It's highlighted in a bright blue. blue. You would think I would freaking have seen that shit, right? <laughs> oh, it amazes me every time, dude, that it's been, I've been doing this, this, thing for so long and i'm still like somehow not knowing what the hell i'm doing so chris green if you guys know uh the calirado kid channel he's one of the green bros that uh is in in the uh trail trailhead troopers video which is freaking hilarious i think there's a new episode coming out here soon so anyways chris green asks who was your favorite interview this is so easy for me like hands down my totally favorite interview is charlie kelly if you guys don't know who charlie kelly is he's one of the guys that helped start basically he was like one of the very first downhill mountain bike race organizers and he's also attributed to helping like start mountain biking and and him and his friends who ended up being people like like richie or i always say the wrong name last time i was saying chris richie and the guy that i was talking to corrected me and i couldn't remember i was like why do i why was i saying that chris richie some dude that i went in the i was in the army with not richie not not the richie from richie bikes um who's the other guy gary fisher gary fisher was one of his buddies these guys were like racing these these bikes down this trail and in, in marin called repack and they were like old cruiser bikes with with coaster brakes tom richie thank you yeah, that's what the guy said last week. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's Chris Ritchie. Nope, Chris Ritchie, I was in the army with. Um, so, anyways, uh, yeah. And and so I like I like history. I love, you know, old, you know, 
older guys with lots of knowledge and good stories. And, and, uh, he had all of that and, and he, and it was all about mountain bikes. And I just felt so honored to be able to talk to somebody that really was like part of the beginning of this sport, you know, and it felt, I just felt really honored that he would take the time to talk to me. And I was really like excited to, to talk to him and ask him questions and just hear his stories and joke around with him. And, uh, I, I, I don't know what episode could top that for me personally. I really don't know. I can't think of anybody else right now that, that I could reach out to that would make me feel the way that I did about that interview. Um, if you guys haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. I, I can tell you if I remember correctly, like the audio wasn't perfect. It, um, definitely has its flaws. Um, there was this freaking microphone that I bought when I first started or somewhere along the line. And I, it just looked cool, but it sounded like shit. And, uh, I was always trying to like, cause I'm a cheap ass and I have a lot of money to, to spend on the side, you know? And, uh, um, I just kept like trying, like, I, especially at that time, I wasn't making any like very, 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 very few patrons. <laughs> and, uh, um, I, I just couldn't bring myself to buy another mic. I kept thinking, oh, I can adjust this or put this on it, make it buy a wind, wind pop filter, whatever. I tried all these things and finally I got to the point that I realized that no, it's just this microphone. And whenever I stopped using the microphone, that's the one I got this road here that I'm using that you guys get to, um, hear me on right now. And, uh, this is a great mic. So I'm really stoked. And that's one of those things that comes from you guys at Patreon. Appreciate it. Um, so that one was awesome. Somebody's asking me up here. I've had Jeff Kendall weed on. Yeah, I did. That was actually not too long ago. Hans Ray was a great video. Somebody says, and I'm going to tell you a little story about the Hans Ray video. So we were in, we being me guys that are like, know the channel. Like historically there's a guy, um, um, Steve Y. He was actually the first subscriber that I ever met to go on a subscriber ride with. And uh, when he told me who he was, he's like, I'm Steve Y. And I was like, why? Why the fuck not? You know, and uh, it just kind of was funny. And uh, we actually hit it off really well. And we've been friends since then. And uh, so he was there in Sedona with me. Um, Moonlight Leatherfoot. If you guys haven't seen the video of the legend of Moonlight video, <laughs> Moonlight video of Moonlight Leatherfoot on the biker channel, you should go check it out. Uh, a lot of times people think that I embellished that story to make it funny in the video that I made. And if anything, the video that I made was like a tamer version of how it really went down. So, but either way, it's a pretty damn funny video, at least to me. I, I always like watching it here and there. So go check that one out. And uh, who else was there? I'm trying to think. I'm drawing a blank. Um, oh, there was this other guy. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. I feel like a jerk for not remembering his name. Big dude. Yeah, because yeah, I think that was it. It was the four of us. Yeah. We were in Sedona. Having a good time in Sedona as you do. Ride bikes drink beers, ride bikes, drink beers. And, uh, the last night that we were there, we were supposed to be leaving in the, in the morning. So we were going to, I had to drive home. Um, we could have switched off on the driving, but, um, 
I don't really like, I, I get anxiety letting other people drive and I'm just happier like driving my own car than, than, uh, anything. So 12 hour drive from Sedona back to Sacramento. And I, uh, I was like, you know what guys, I know if I go out with you guys right now, cause everybody's getting ready to go to the bar. I was like, I'm going to get housed with you and then it's going to be bad. And, uh, uh, then it's going to be the worst drive home ever. And I didn't want to do that. So I, I surprised myself and I stayed in that night when they all went out and, uh, went to sleep and they come barreling in the door at like three o'clock in the morning, just fucking housed. And I mean, like I would expect, like the way that I would expect them to be is the way they showed up, right? Just having a good time, freaking grab ass, fucking drinking more beer still, trying to figure, you know, how they can just party all night long, right? Or whatever. And uh, Steve Wise, like, dude, we got you a guest for the biker bar. I mean, like, it just woke me up, man. I was asleep a second ago. Like, I don't even really care, but I, I mean, I'm going to listen to you because you're really freaking happy about this. I got Hans Ray. And I'm like, I actually don't have a fucking clue who Hans Ray is. <laughs> He's stoked. I mean, I, I feel like I should really know who Hans Ray is at this point, but I don't. I don't have a clue at all. Um, I'm not a guy that really like, like gets into like the pro riders and their names and whatever. I never really was like the only, and the only pros of like any sport that I knew were the ones that were like household names. Right. Like even when I was a kid and I was into skateboarding, it was like, I knew who Tony Hawk was and that was probably about it. Maybe, maybe wasn't there like Chris Perella or Pal Perella, Perella or something like that. There was some, I probably knew like three guys names at the most. And they were like the biggest guys in, in skating. Um, so that's like, I had no idea who Hans Ray was, but so I'm like, who's Hans Ray. And then they're like, you don't know who Hans Ray is. And they're all excited. You that's fucking Hans Ray, man. You don't know Hans Ray. And they're all, all get and like 10 seconds later. Oh my God. I got you a podcast guest. Who's that? Hans Ray, man. And then I look at him and I'd be like, who's Hans Ray. And it was like, it was like freaking Groundhog Day conversation over and over again. Dude, we got Hans Ray for the podcast. Who's Hans Ray? You don't know who Hans Ray is. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't believe how many times I told him I didn't know who Hans Ray was. And they continued to explain to me who Hans Ray was over and over again. And then at this point, I'm thinking, you guys are so fucked up. There is no way that you actually like communicated something eloquently enough to this person who is obviously a big fucking deal that he should be on my show. I, there's no way. Like he probably told you his like fake phone number or gave you a business card and is like going to ghost whoever contacts him for the rest of his life because you guys are a shit show right now. Um, so nonetheless, they give me the card, the, the business card for Hans Ray. And I reached out to him and that's how I actually got Hans Ray on the show because my buddies went out to the bar in Sedona, got housed, met Hans Ray, Hans Ray, and uh, got his card for me. So sometimes getting guests on the show come a little, a, a little differently than you would expect. <laughs> 
So that was actually uh, that was actually a pretty fun story for me. I, I was just so uh, so classic. You don't know who Hans Ray is. <laughs> mm. All right, let's see what else we got here in the in the question barrel. Um, how old is B one? You know, I'm at, I'm actually old enough now to forget how old I am on a regular basis, but this year. I am turning 44. I'm pretty sure I'm turning 44. I think I'm still 43. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm 43 because I was born in 77. So, and that for some reason I can do that math quickly right now. Any other, if I was 44, I probably wouldn't be able to figure it out. <laughs> so, uh, you get some of the guys in the comments are talking about what the, uh, typical demographic for the biker bar is and, uh, the biker channel. And yeah, it's like 30 to 50 year old people. That's pretty much it. Not a whole lot of kids here. I do have kids uh, come up to me and and, uh, and went to fist bump and say hi. Like they watch the content. And I always, always question. I'm like, man, I look at their parents like, you know, like you watch my stuff. They're like, oh yeah, it's all right. I'm like, all right, okay. Well, apparently you don't care if your kid talks like a sailor because I do. Um, but anyways, yeah, definitely reference all the old 80s, 80s movies. Somebody's talking about that. It's funny because I uh, I raised my children on all those movies as well. So my daughter was telling me just the other day that they did this thing at school where there was like some kind of a, like a like a challenge that they were doing, like a, what do you call it? Like a fake game show or something like that. And the teacher was against the students or one of the students like for different parts of it or whatever. And uh, the one was like 80s movies and she like buried the teacher on like all the movies. She like knew them all. And the teacher was like, how do you know this? And she's like, because they're good movies. And uh, apparently that's why I, I raised them right, I guess. <laughs> um, so I'll tell you guys another another good story here in a minute after i drink this beer and i want to show you about this other um this other shirt that i'm working on i got um i like hand up stuff a lot it's been a lot of fun wearing it lately and i was thinking for a while i was like that would be cool if i had a shirt that kind of matched some of my hand up gloves but i don't have like buku money to go like buy a bunch of shirts and get them all made or and then I assumed that I wasn't going to sell enough if I like reached out to hand up to uh, do some kind of collaboration or something like that. So I, I reached out to them and was like, hey, do you guys mind if I like kind of steal some of your colors or like make up a pattern for a shirt that is um, that that's a biker shirt that I'll sell. But while I'm selling the shirt that matches your design, I want or resembles your design. I'll, you know, tell people like, Hey, if you want the shirts and the gloves that match, you go to hand up. And those guys over there hand up were like super cool about it. They're like, Hell yeah, dude, let's do it. So I've been working on this. If, if you guys are watching, you can see it, but it's kind of like the pattern that's on their socks. And, uh, it's got like a, just a stripe across the front, little B one sign. And, uh, some little icons for beer and cameras and bikes and YouTube a little strip on the arm still working on getting it figured out how to get the print right. This is what happens whenever you, you, you design shirts 
you like order them online, then you wait till they ship and you see, oh, that didn't print right. So now I need to move that up some. You think that they're like online, like builders would show you exactly how stuff comes out, but it doesn't. So instead you have to spend 40 bucks on a shirt a couple of times. And then once you get it right, then, um, then you put it up and people can buy it. This one will have like also another little logo down on the bottom and the back. So I'm working that out soon. You guys will see some, this one here is like an athletic dry fit kind of shirt. And so the other thing that you do while you're, while you're making this merch is that you'll order it and then you'll see how the size is. So like this one here, I ordered extra large, which most of the other shirts that I'm wearing right now are extra large. And, um, it's, it's like a schmedium instead. So, um, now I know to tell people if you're ordering this size up and they only, that shirt, I think only goes to like two X. So I wanted to be able to have something that guys that were bigger than two X could buy. So I made a similar design like this on a regular t-shirt. And then it has like a different stripe on the back going down the center of the spine. And um, then this way is like a regular cotton shirt and it could get, I think these shirts went up to like 5X or something like that, something crazy. And uh, that way all you big guys out there, cause I know there's plenty of you that can still get a shirt that matches the, the, the uh, gloves and the socks. So I thought that would be really fun, a fun thing to do. So that I have to order another, I have to work on that design probably going to do it this week and uh, get that sent out. And then it takes like a couple weeks to get the freaking shirt in the mail and all that crap. And hopefully the design looks good. And then at that point, man, I'll tell everybody about it. So if you, uh, if you, if you're interested, let me know in the comments, let me know if that sounds like a good idea to you. Cause otherwise I like wasting my time on making merch because it's really fun for me. I, um, I just like creating things and, uh, there's so many shirts that I've made and put on my website that nobody bought except for me. <laughs> so it is what it is, right? Um, Mark Stahl. Oh, we I tried to click on something. He went up and somebody else commented. Mark Stahl asks, asks if I could speak English. What did you do in the army? Um, those of you guys that don't know, I'm a veteran. Uh, joined the army when I was 17. I, um, graduated high school a little bit early, which is oddly, which is amazing because like not only a year before that, I was supposed to graduate two years late, um, was on the path of getting into all kinds of trouble real quick. And I moved out to California and, uh, I, I needed to get my head together. My uncle was like my big brother, father figure all my life and he got murdered. And, uh, it just kind of, I was already partying and not acting right. And that just made me do it even more. And, uh, I came out to California and lived with my aunt for like a little over a year before I, before I went in the military. And I was <clears throat> at that point, supposed to be grad, like supposed to be finishing my junior year. And I was like barely a, a freshman. I was like two years behind and I came out to California. I went to a continuation school and I went to college at night. So in California, if you took a college class, 
it was worth three times the credits for a high school class. And the continuation school that I went to was usually only like a half day for, for the students. And I negotiated my way into being able to do it all day. And, um, and so I was really able to like kind of fast track my, my education. And, um, I, I did a really good job, you know? And so I ended up doing like two and a half years worked in less than a year because of that. And so I graduated and I was working as an electrician for my, my uncle. He had his own business. So I was being an apprentice and I was like making decent money. And I was like, this is freaking rad. Like I'm digging this adult and shit. Of course I wasn't paying any bills. I was like living with my, my aunt and uncle, but it, it seemed like I was an adult. I was like, yeah, man, this is rad. And, uh, whatever happened, I think it was like super rainy that year in California. And, um, my uncle's business, he wasn't getting, getting the, the jobs because the rain was keeping everybody from building. It was so, so rainy. And, uh, because of that, he's like, dude, I'm gonna have to lay you off. And I was like, yeah, well, still gonna be at your house eating all your food, but okay. I'm not going to get any more, any more money on the side. And, I always wanted to go in the military. My family has had military in the background for years and years and years. My grandfather would always tell me, if you join the Navy, you'll be the sixth generation Schumacher in the Navy. Don't you know your great, great grandfather was in the great white fleet. My grandfather was also a captain in the Navy. So he was like pretty high up there. And uh, in the army, that captain's not that big of a deal, but it's, in, I think the equivalent to the captain in the Navy would be like a colonel in the army. I don't know what that is in the Marines or the Air Force. I don't know their ranking system very well. But anyways, um, so because I got laid off from my uncle and I had always been thinking about going in the military anyway, I always told everybody when I was in high school that I was going to join the military when I got out just to like go like see the world, see if I liked it. If I really liked being in the military, I'd stay in for 20 years, get out at 38 and like then start another career, right? And if I didn't like it, then fuck it. I got to get out and like go see a little bit of the world and drink some beers and party with some people and have a good time. So I went down to the recruiter's office. My aunt and uncle didn't even know I was going. I went down to the recruiter's office, started talking to the recruiter. And uh, I think originally when I went into the recruiter's office, I was like, well, first of all, I knew I didn't want to be in the Marines because I felt like those guys just got brainwashed and eat crayons. And you can ask where within he likes the purple ones. Um, <laughs> and uh, I didn't want to go in the air force because I just felt like those guys were, I don't know. It just wasn't for me. The Navy, I wasn't like super keen on being on a boat. And uh, I think I still am not super keen on being on a boat. I haven't even been on a cruise. So I always get kind of, kind of uh, nervous about thinking about going on a cruise. It sounds like a really good idea, but I'm not sure if I get out in the middle of the ocean, and I start freaking out. I'm not going to, that's not going to be, that's not going to be good. Um, so the army, the army seemed good to me. I was like, be on the ground and uh, let's, let's see, let's do that. So I went in and talked to the army guy and I'm pretty sure that originally when I went in there, I was like, I want to be like, like a, like a counselor or a psychiatrist or something like that. And he's like, Oh yeah, right on. Cool. And, uh, um, the guy that was my recruiter was in the infantry and he was just telling me all these stories about shit that he did. He wasn't trying to talk me into being in the infantry. He wasn't like telling me anything more than his experience. Otherwise, like he was just, he was a super rad guy. He was just like, yeah, dude, we'd go take this test, you know, 
right now there's like this program that if you get somebody else to come in the you'll get some some rank and he was like he was like uh uh he wasn't exactly a straight shooter so he was like i'll introduce you to somebody you guys shake hands you guys knew each other and then boom you got some rank and he'll have some rank you'll have some rank you guys both be stoked and uh while we're talking and stuff like i kind of realized that man that infantry shit sounds really fun and uh like really fun <laughs> like man just go party and drink a bunch of beer blow shit up shoot guns i'm like fuck yeah i'm in <laughs> so uh we went down to the the map station or wherever the hell it is it took took the ASVAB and I scored on the ASVAB basically well enough to get any job in the military. And then you have to go through the, the, the process of, of the physical, which is like an all day experience for those of you guys that haven't been in. It's an all day experience of doctors trying to find something wrong with you to keep you from going in the military. And, uh, at one point they were telling me like, you're not going to be able to go in because you have hypochondriation of the palms, which is basically like my hands sweaty. And they're like, you're going to like pick up a map and you're going to like smear the print and it's going to fuck up something. And that's why you shouldn't be in. And I remember thinking like every time that while I was in and we we're out and it was hot as balls, humping a bunch of freaking weight around in the middle of summer and we we're just sweating all over the freaking place. And you like tilt your head and it's just pouring off your face onto the map. Uh, I, I always thought about, man, it's a good thing. <laughs> That's happening because otherwise my palms would be sweating right through this thing. <laughs> so anyways, so I go through maps. Now I'm going to drink this beer. I go through maps and uh, now I need another one. Hang on a second. I go through maps. I put a cooler next to the TV so that I could get one without having to get up and walk away. I thought about you guys. man. You guys are my number one fans sitting here listening with me today on the two-year anniversary all right so go through the whole situation finally get done with all these bullshit ass doctors and uh um get to the point where they offer you a job so the job that they offered me was to be a linguist for military intelligence so um because i scored so high they they they're like, you're a smart motherfucker. We want smart motherfuckers to do smart motherfucker jobs. And uh, I looked at the dude and I was like, no, I want to be in the infantry. And he looks down at the lists, all the jobs that they had open. We don't have that, dude. Yeah, well, that's why I'm here. So either you put me in the infantry or I'm walking out the door. We we don't We don't have that on this paper man like honestly like you don't understand this is a good job yeah no dude you don't understand i want to drink beers fuck bitches and get drunk and blow up shit man that's all i cared about i was 18 years or not even 18 i was 17 years old that's all i wanted to do and uh he's like no you really don't understand this is an excellent opportunity. Like this is the, this is the job that people want more than anything when they come in here and you're saying, no, you want to be in the infantry. You know what the infantry is? You know what the infantry is, don't you? And I'm just like, look, man, I want to be in the infantry. I want it to be in my contract that I'm going to Europe. Cause I knew if I was in the infantry, I would be in, in, in Europe. Cause they only guarantee Europe. They wouldn't guarantee me exactly where I was going. 
I knew if I was in Europe and in the infantry, I'd be in Germany. And I, all my life, I always wanted to go to Germany. My my last name Schumacher. Those of you guys that don't know, Schumacher is obviously a very German name. I've always wanted to go to Germany. So I was like, this is the deal. I'm getting money for college. I want the college fund. I want to be in Europe in the infantry or I'm walking out the door. And dude's like, all right, man. Well, see you later. I'm like, all right, peace, motherfucker. And that's it, dude. Walk out the door and uh, go home. And lo and behold, a couple of days later, they call me back. And they're like, we got that job for you, man. <laughs> so that was it, man. I was in the infantry. Could have, uh, could, yeah, we're within says I could have been working the CIA by now, banging foreign women all over the world. You know what? You're probably right, man. Could have been, could have been a lot of things that I, I did differently in my life, but that one is how I ended up in the infantry. So it was, uh, I always say the military was the best and the worst part of my life. The best friends that I've ever had in my entire life, still to this day, these guys are like, we still communicate. We still get together when we can. And uh, definitely like wouldn't even think twice about laying my life on the line for one of them or they, they would do the same as well. And so best friends ever, worst management ever, <laughs> worst, worst fucking management ever. You, if you've never been in the military, like just imagine like if you went to work five minutes late one day and they decided to like dock your pay, ground you to your room and make you do push-ups <laughs> for like two days and clean toilets because you were five minutes late. Like that's, that's the kind of bullshit where you're like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. So yeah, <laughs> it was a good time. It was a really good time. I uh, got in right around the end of the first Gulf war and, uh, all the Bosnia stuff was kicking off. So I was in a NATO unit in, uh, in, in Germany, like I wanted to be, ended up being with a bunch of badass dudes and, and we did all the things that I wanted to do. Um, drank lots of beers, probably have like 95 illegitimate children in Germany. Um, no regrets. Yeah. Like Tim Miller said, <laughs> no regrets for sure. Uh, it was like lots of good times, man. It's like, Every Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, we were either going home, partying some more, or beating somebody's ass. It was uh, it was stupid. Lots of dumb things that I did. I'm glad that I had that experience though when I was that age, because you know I came back to the states and I was like 21 when I got out. And at that point, I'd been like partying at the bars six nights a week for like three years. I it, it was I I was over going out. By the time I came back, lots of friends were at, uh, would be like, all right, let's go party. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm cool, man. We're going to go to school and try to get an education and whatever. So it was good. It was a good time. Definitely, uh, definitely some. My daughter was saying yesterday, we were talking and she was saying about how, like, some kids, this is how she said it, some kids peak in high school. So, like, the best times of their life are in high school. And it's because she's, she's getting ready to graduate. She just finished high school. Um, and she was saying, you know, there's a lot of these other kids that are like crying and super upset about leaving high school because it was the best time of their life. That's when they peaked. And, uh, she's like, I didn't peak in high school. And she was saying that about herself. And I was like, you know what? 
I didn't either. I must have peaked in the army because when I was in the army, I definitely some of the best times of my life. Definitely, definitely like just ridiculous things that we did. And lots of them had to do with too much alcohol. And some of them had to do with just too much suck. And uh, either way, they really shaped me who, who I am and where my life went along the way. And it was, it was worth it. It was really worth it. And if you're a young guy out there and you're thinking about going in the military, I'll tell you right now, the same thing I told both my children, my son's actually in the army. Now he, he did take the military intelligence job. Uh, I made sure that he didn't go in there thinking he was going to be in the infantry and do a bunch of partying. Instead, I was like, no, you're taking the MI job. I don't give a shit. Um, but, uh, uh, the one thing I would always tell them is like, it's worth the VA loan alone. Just to be able to have to buy a house with no money down was worth the time that I put in. So there's lots of other uh, advantages that come out of it as well. And a lot of you guys that listen to my channel are, are veterans too. And I thank you guys all for your service. Really do. It means a lot. Um, when I was in, because I was in the infantry, the infantry kind of has this like, if you're not infantry, you're, you're kind of bullshit kind of uh, that's kind of how how we think there's a, a name for it if you're like if you're not in the infantry we call it you a pogue so that would be like somebody person other than grunt it's just like a a demeaning way to say that you're not you're not you're not a badass basically is what we're trying to say so you call them all pogues and uh i definitely felt that way while i was in but after i got out i uh I really realized that anybody who put their name on the line and was part of that team that that kept us all alive, no matter however they however they did it, whether they were writing checks or or freaking firing rounds, you know, um, one way or another, you actually signed a piece of paper and signed your life away to um, for something that you believed in, and that to me means a lot now. So anybody, anybody of, of you, any of you out there that are, are veterans, um, thank you. So we'll do another, we'll do another cheers to you guys, man. Cause why the hell not? seems like it's been a while since I've been drinking. So feel like it. it's a good idea. Those of you guys that are driving probably shouldn't be drinking. So, Hmm. <laughs> That was a two sipper respect everybody right on. So I'm going to tell you guys, because this is an anniversary story or an anniversary show, I'm going to tell you guys a story that I've only told online one time. I think one time it was pretty late on a, on a biker live stream, good and drunk, tell this story every once in a while. And, uh, it's entertaining to some. And, uh, I don't know. I think it's pretty fucking funny. It's a good story. So here we are. We're an hour and 10 minutes into the show. We got 63 people on live. Thanks everybody for being on live. If you haven't hit the subscribe button, if you're not a subscriber, hit the freaking button, man. It's really not that hard. Uh, if you like what's going on right now, hit the thumbs up. If you have some question that you were dying for me to answer while I'm telling this story, go ahead and throw it up there. Hopefully I'll catch it because I'm going to get involved in this one and it's going to take a few minutes to tell. So if you need to go to the bathroom, you should probably go to the bathroom now because I'm going to keep drinking this beer because I feel like if I'm going to tell an army story, I got to got to get a good buzz going on. And this Breaking Bud IPA is definitely doing it. 
pretty damn good beer. All right. So I was in um in in my unit. I'll back it up a little bit just for the sake of the people that might might have decided to go to the bathroom. I um was in my my unit was a NATO unit and we were infantry guys, whatever, blah, blah, blah. While we were out on this one um little field exercise, they came into the barracks one night that we were staying in, <laughs> which oddly enough had no heat. So that also means that there was no water heater and, but we were forced to take showers. I swear to God, that was the coldest shower ever taken my life. The water was like 33 degrees. It's snowing outside, no heat in the building. And we still had to take showers. Sons of bitches. So we're in there freezing our freaking balls off. And, uh, they come in and they're like, Hey, who wants to volunteer? We got this assignment coming up. It's going to be like, who wants to be a door gunner in Bosnia? So those of you guys who don't know what door gunner is like, what's that fucking movie with the, uh, private pal. What's his name? Uh, Oh God, I can't believe full metal jacket. Think full metal jacket, right? The helicopter is like flying through Vietnam and there's this guy hanging out the side of the helicopter with an M60. Wop, 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 wop. Wop, 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 wop. How do you do it? Wop, 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 wop. Do what? Wop, wop, wop. Shoot women and children. Wop, wop, wop. I don't know. Just don't lead them as much. That's a fucking door gunner, man. You know, like, you're like, fuck yeah, dude. That's like, fuck. Everybody stood the fuck up. I'm in. You know, the only guys that didn't stand up were the ones that were like, yeah, I know how this goes. They've been in long enough to know that somehow the army's, if they have the chance to fuck you, they're going to do it. But they're going to make you feel like you're not getting fucked until you're actually getting fucked. And so those of us that volunteered, man, sure as shit, dude, we wrapped up that little field exercise, got back home. Enough time to get drunk a couple of times and boom, you're off to this other unit that we're uh, we're going to go to Bosnia with. We're going to be door gunners. And we got to Bosnia and we were not fucking door gunners. And uh, <laughs> we did do a lot of stuff on helicopters. We were a QRF team. So anytime that anything happened in the American sector, um, they'd call us and we'd jump on the helicopters and we would fly out and do whatever the hell we had to do. Right. And uh, so that was pretty cool. It's pretty rad. So you'd be doing some time you would be on the QRF team. So it was a week at a time you were you were doing a rotation. Right. So one week you'd be on the QRF team flying around with the helicopters. One week you would be on the Humvees doing mounted patrols. And then one week you would be doing um, foot patrols, which really fucking suck because you're just walking, dude, with a whole shitload of weight on your shoulders and nothing's really going on, right? And then um, the other week you would have, uh, you'd be in these guard shacks that were like guarding the airfield. So... Um, those of you guys that are into politics or whatever, a while ago, like uh, Hillary Clinton was running for president. She was talking about when she landed in Bosnia and there was fucking gunfire and all this shit going on. She landed in Tuzla and those guard shacks that we were in were the ones that were on that runway that she landed on. So just give you an idea. I'll tell you what, bombs and guns weren't flying the way that she was explaining it. But yeah, I'll give her at least the benefit of the doubt. You could hear gunshots on a regular basis. So... These guard shacks, some of them were like, um, like a, like a little like bunker that was dug into the ground with a bunch of sandbags on it. But the ones that were on the runway were like, let's just say an eight by eight square. 
and it's about two between two and three stories tall and on one side like along one of the legs that's going up the square to lift this thing up off the ground right because it's like a little box up in the air right is a ladder a wooden ladder and then in you would climb up that ladder and then you could crawl into this bunker right and it had sandbags all around it and sandbags on top of it and you would just sit in this tower for what you would do 12 hours on 12 hours off and uh that's what we do for like that week so you'd get to know these guys that you were on down there with really fucking well because you don't spend 12 hours in a box with some other dude for a week straight 12 hours a day and not like know every fucking thing about them right I was in this unit. We were in Bosnia for a year. So um, this four week rotation went on, you know, consistently that whole time. And uh, somewhere in the winter time, they decided, man, it's getting really fucking cold out there. Um, we're going to let these guys take like, a, a like, you know, those big five gallon jugs that you see, like people have strapped to the back of their Jeep for fuel or water or whatever. Like they let us take one of those full of whatever it was called we called it like jp8 i think is what it was called it was uh like basically it's like diesel fuel right and we were allowed to go out there and they put like a 50 gallon 55 gallon drum down at the bottom of the tower and you were allowed to make a little fire and uh dude let me tell you right now you give 18 19 20 year old guys a five gallon jug of freaking fuel and you tell them that they're allowed to make a fire shit's gonna go awry and uh Sure enough, it did because we would do this thing where it would be like, oh, let's take out some like broken up pallets or this or that or the other. And it got to be this thing like how big of a fire can we fucking make? Right. And get away with. So so uh, um, somebody that's on the comments that says War Within says it's jet fuel mixed with oil. So nonetheless, so me and the guy that's on on garden this tower or like today is going to be the day that we make the, all, the fire of all fires. And uh, we got a couple of pallets and we uh, poured all this freaking fuel on it, set that motherfucker on fire and poof, like the flames, I'm not even lying, were just as tall as our tower for at least a minute or two until everything burned up, right? So like while that happens, while we're, we set this freaking like, fire of the century um we're right on the runway by the way so this is like where planes are supposed to be landing <laughs> um the, it starts pouring man it really just starts coming down and uh like like cats and dogs coming down and i'm from pennsylvania i don't know you guys are know the east coast or, or aren't from the east coast or been to the east coast but when it rains over there like there's sometimes there's those raindrops they come down like softballs and you got thunder you got lightning and it happens all the time in pennsylvania we have lightning and thunder when it's not even raining they call it like dry lightning or something like that like so i grew up around thunder and lightning all my life no fucks given about it right so this is pouring it's coming down we get up into the tower our fire's out and we're standing there and i'm not even lying there's like like it's clear-cut trees from the runway out to about I don't know, maybe a hundred yards in front of our tower. And then in, in between our tower and that is like some Constantina wire and bar. What if you guys don't know what Constantina wire is, it's like barbed wire, but it's like circly with like razor blades on it. A bunch of that, like keep bad guys out. Right. And then uh, about a hundred yards away, there's uh, the tree line. 
And I watch a lightning bolt fucking hit those trees out there. Well, bam! Like watching it, like like fucking watching dynamite go off. And it's loud as fuck, dude, because you're like right there. And a uh, couple, couple minutes, a minute, two minutes later or something like that, bam, another one. I, I want to say at least two, at least two or three that we watched hit those trees out in front of us. And um, my buddy, Jerzak, he, 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 the, the guy I was in the tower with, I remember him looking at me and being like, man, this is fucked up, man. We're not going to get any sleep tonight because like you're not supposed to sleep on guard. That's obviously not how guard works, right? But um, two young guys, like what happens instead of guarding your sector, what really happens is one guy goes to sleep, the other guy stays awake and guards to make sure that nobody's coming to check on us whether or not we fell asleep or not. And so while all this lightning and thunder is going on, we're both looking at each other like, holy shit, we're actually going to have to stay up all damn night tonight. And um, right about then, like there was this flash of light and it looked like, like a blue flash of light. And then um, you guys have probably seen like the nuclear explosions on movies where it's like this wave is just like going through the city and just blowing trees and cars and houses down. It felt like a wave like that, but what that was made out of electricity just hit me like, just hit me like a fucking freight train. And uh, it actually, um, I thought that was it. I thought that was the end. Like I said to you guys earlier, I was electrician before I was in the, in the military. And I, uh, I knew that 0.1 amp stops your heart. And I was pretty damn sure that I just got struck by lightning. And I remember telling myself over and over and over again in my head, point one amp stops your heart, point one amp stops your heart, point one amp stops your heart. You're dying right now, man. Like, this is it. Like, you are actually, you're going to find out, like, what's next. And I remember, like, point one amp stops your heart, point one amp stops your heart. And then I'm thinking these other thoughts, you know, point one amp stops your heart. Well, I guess this guess this is how it goes. We'll see how it what's what's next, right? And uh point one amp stops your heart. And I'm hearing the screaming in the background. It's like somebody's just screaming. And um having these thoughts, point one amp stops your heart, and that screaming's getting louder and louder and louder and louder. And um all right, this is it. And then I realized that that screaming the screaming was me. And as soon as I realized it was me, I stopped screaming. And I'm the the lightning had kind of like picked me up and threw me towards that ladder hole that you would climb back down to the ground on. And uh Hayden <laughs> says, spoiler alert, you lived. <laughs> and so my head's kind of like dangling off the side of the, the tower, and uh and I stopped stop screaming i sit up and there's these these sandbags there right next to that hole that you would get out on so that way if like somebody was attacking you you could be behind the sandbags and shooting out the hole where you would climb down the ladder so my buddy jerzak 
landed on the other side of the, the sandbag. So I sit up and he's like crawling on his elbows around the sandbag so that he could like see where I'm at. And he looks at me and he's like, Schumacher, are you okay? And right then, that was about the time that Pulp Fiction came out. So we watched a lot of movies. We were in the field. We didn't have shit else to do when we weren't and like doing guard or whatever. We watched a lot of movies. Watched Pulp Fiction a ton. And there's that scene wherever that chick freaking ODs and he slams that fucking needle into her heart. Boom. And she wakes up. And the first thing she says is the same thing that I said to, to Jerzak when he said, are you all right? Schumacher looked at him. I was like, that was fucking trippy, man. And he just loses his shit. What the fuck is wrong with you, man? We could be fucking dead right now. I can't believe you're fucking making a joke right now. And we just got struck by lightning. And so while he's cussing me out, the fire truck is rolling down the freaking runway because somebody called the fire department whenever we set the fire next to the tower. So the fire department is rolling down the runway. They just have to be getting there, like climbing up the ladder as he's cussing me out. They're like, what the fuck is going on here? The guys in the fire truck said that the hair, they were about like 20, 30 yards away from us or something like that whenever it hit. And they said all the hair on their body just stood up and laid down. And the guys that were in the next tower down, which is probably about 3,000 meters away or something like that, um, they were saying, uh, or a 1,000 maybe, something like that. They were like, dude, your whole tower lit up like a light bulb. We thought you, we all, everybody thought you were going to be dead. And I, you could see burn marks, like, because I'm a pretty hairy dude. You could see the exact, like, lines that the electricity went down my legs because the hair was, 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 um, was burned in those pathways. So I had like these like burned hair, singed hair lines all the way down my legs to the ground. And uh, so that's the story of how I got struck by lightning. <laughs> so there you have it. That was, uh, they did an interview with me and apparently I still had a sense of humor because I remember them asking me, so what are you gonna, like, how do you feel about it? And I was like, I'm gonna play the fucking lottery now, right? And, uh, Apparently, I still haven't won the lottery. So here we are sitting on YouTube years later, an hour and 25 minutes into a biker bar podcast telling this story, man. So that's that. <laughs> now you guys know why I got a fucking screw loose. <laughs> All right. Ak the dad wants to know. What's the best MTB festival I've ever been to? My favorite one is hands down Sedona. I love Sedona Mountain Bike Festival. The trails are super fun. The festival is small enough that like you can split up from your buddies and get back together. It doesn't matter. Like you don't have to like worry about not finding somebody or or something like that. Um, and the uh, the trails are like right there. You can ride right from them, and they have good beer. They always have good music, and, and it's just a really really good time. I really enjoy that festival. Somebody else said Sea Otter is fun. Sea Otter is fun, but it's like so big. It's so big. It's like, it's like overwhelming a little bit. Cause there's like, you're like, where the hell am I? I think I remember that other tent was over here. You're like, it's huge. Like, I wouldn't say don't go to Sea Otter, but like out of, you know, I, I, I would hands down rec recommend going to Sedona no matter what. Yeah. And the Arizona peeps are really cool too. So lots of good people down there, like war within um, the, uh, the people over at Spartan rides, super cool over there. Um, Tim, who's part of Spartan rides. I actually met him as a subscriber 
long before Spartan Rides was even a thing. And uh, he showed me around the Phoenix area, South Mountain, super fun. I always like love being there. Um, but yeah, Sedona, without a doubt. I, I wouldn't like want to live there. I wouldn't want to um, um, ride those trails all the time, but I think going there once a year and riding those trails is super fun. So, um, and I really enjoy it. So I'll be back there in November if you guys are going or you're thinking about going November, check it out, the Sedona Mountain Bike Festival. There's no way you won't see me if you're there. I mean, honestly, it's like, there's a lot of people there. There's a ton of people there, but you'll see everybody, especially at the end of the day. There's like, they'll still be selling beers. Everybody's coming back from all their rides and there's always the man playing and everybody's hanging out. Tasco always has like a hell of an after party at their tent. Everybody's always like tying a good one on. They always have music playing a good, good, good times with Tasco tent or at the Tasco tent every year. Um, lots of fun. So I heard that, um, the mountain bike Oregon festival is really fun too. And I was thinking about trying to get up there. I'm not sure if it's going to actually happen because of COVID restrictions and stuff like that. It's still kind of like questionable if it'll be a full blown event, but I heard that one's pretty comparable to uh, Sedona, but everybody's camping there too. So it gets pretty fun. Um, somebody's asking about dirt days. That was a local uh, event here in Northern California. For those of you guys that don't know, there's a, a group, that I had on the podcast before called a uh, MTB NorCal. And they set up this uh, event called dirt days. And basically everything from the event was donated to local trails uh, associations. And they ended up raising like somewhere around $4,000 for local trail groups by doing this event it was kind of like a little, like a little mini Sedona kind of thing. They had band there and everything. It was super cool. Lots of fun. If you didn't go to dirt days and you're in Northern California, you should definitely plan on it next year. It was a good time if you haven't ridden nevada city the trails there are super fun so um definitely it would be a good time tim's asking if tim miller's asking if i've been to whistler i haven't been to whistler that was actually on my uh my plans last year for where i would wanted to like road trip for the summer and um everybody knows how last year turned out and at this point i'm not making any any plans for international travel until I'm just not even gonna bother because realistically I got enough on my plate that I just like to drive to. So um, we'll see how that plays out. I'd really like to make, make my way to Colorado this year. That would be a lot of fun. I'm uh, already planning to head up to Oregon in a little, about a month or so. So that'll be super fun. I'd like to go ride the uh, Oakdale. Is that what it's called area there? It's supposed to be super fun, but I'm um, going to be in Bend. See my buddy Jake at project three, two, one. If um, you guys haven't heard me talk about him before, he's got a, a, a hub company. Hubs are sitting there in the background. They're on all my bikes and uh, it's super fun. So good guy, good company, solid hubs. Everybody I know that has them doesn't complain. So I feel like, you know, it's really cool to be purchasing a product that you, you are Oak Ridge. That's the name of it. A product that you are, um, you're feeding somebody's family, you know, that's pretty rad. So I like to be part of that. And if the product's good too, then it makes it even easier, right? So, NB Stokes asked if I would consider going to Alabama for MTB. Like, definitely, yeah, dude, I'd consider going anywhere. The The thing is, is right now, like, I don't really make that much money on this whole YouTube thing. And I was looking at my Patreon the other day. There's like goals in there. And uh, 
one of the goals was like once I got to like 250 patrons, then I felt like I had uh, enough. I would have enough like money coming into Patreon that I would actually be able to like travel a little more or start traveling. And I'm still like I'm gonna have like 100 and maybe it's 150 patrons. So I still have like a hundred people that um, that I need to to help me get to that spot where I can actually start traveling because it's not cheap. You guys know that. So get a hotel and a plane ticket and pay for your bike to get flown or get a demo while you're there. Like that stuff costs money. Um, definitely costs lots of money. What's up, Shockfire? That's my son. <clears throat> Stoked to see you on the stream, bud. Appreciate it. Uh, Oak Ridge. Yeah, Oak Ridge is the place I would really like to like to go. So that's the one in Oregon there. Uh, let's see what else we got going on here in the questions. Crested Butte Mountain Bike Fest. That sounds fun. A weight loss update. No, I'm going to hold off on that. I mean, the the the... The long and the short of it is, is I've just been stuck on this plateau and I'm having these beers tonight and tomorrow I'm going to get back on the like Nazi plan. So I put on a few pounds though. So that's definitely not, doesn't make me super stoked, but I know those will come off quick. So I'm not really too obsessive about that. I, I just told you I wasn't going to give you a weight loss update and then boom, you like Jedi mind trick my ass right into it. <laughs> Um, we're within's asking how close am I to Yaman? So those of you guys that don't know, I used to do a thing on the biker live streams that if you super chat with hashtag Yaman, that that went into a separate fund for me to take a trip to Jamaica. And, um, cause I've always wanted to go to Jamaica and ride bikes down there. They have this, uh, mountain bike festival down there every year. And I really, really, really wanted to do that. And, um, so the idea was like, this is something that we can all contribute to, to get Yaman. Like once the Yaman hit, hit the money, there hit enough money, then I would go on the trip. And, and my idea in my back of my head was that whoever was the highest donator along the time, cause I was keeping track of it, like on an Excel spreadsheet and, um, whoever was the highest donator, what I, I would buy them some kind of souvenir while I was in Jamaica. I was going to send it to them. So um, I don't remember, like I can tell you this right now, the money is not in the account because something happened. I don't remember. I think the truck broke down. It cost me like five grand to fix my truck. And I had just sold my lady's bike. I ended up using the money from her bike and the Yamaha money to get the bike, uh, get the uh, truck fixed. But I do have the spreadsheet and I will still take that trip. And I will still honor what I was talking about earlier about whoever the highest donator was. And, um, but right now it's kind of on hold. So it is what it is. These things happen with life, you know? So, um, let's see here. What else is going on? There was something I wanted to talk to you guys about earlier. And I can't remember what it was. I think I was just going to rant about, things that I don't like about mountain biking because <laughs> what am I good at? Good at complaining about shit. <laughs> mm. So one of the things that I don't like about mountain biking, it's really has to do with like parts, what parts I really don't like. 
I really can't stand the interface for the seat to the seat post. I don't understand why that thing is so damn complicated. Like it, it doesn't like, first of all, it's a pain in the ass to get the seat on and off. Like, I don't understand how, like, especially now you have to take the seat on and off. Like if you want to put more air in your, 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 um, dropper post, like whenever it starts squeaking, you have to like take it off and grease it. Like, why is it such a pain in the ass? It's like, yeah, you can draw like a little tick mark on there, like kind of scratch the metal. So you know exactly what angle it is. If the, the seat post that you have doesn't have tick marks on it, but you still like never get it right. Like I end up having to like ride my first like two or three rides with an Allen key in my pocket. And I usually just like have this little, little, one of these little boxes that you stick on the pegboard and it's just full of all those stupid Allen keys that you get from all the crap from Ikea and wherever else you have to put shit together from. And uh, so I'll just grab the one that fits in there. And then that way, if I lose it or on the trail or whatever, it doesn't matter. And then I don't have to carry like my, my tool actually in my pocket, like whatever my multi-tool is, just carry that one. That's it. And just a pain in the ass. Like, I feel like you should be able to like, um, like have a quick release or something like that of some sort that you can just take it off and put it back on. And the other day I was talking yesterday, not the other day, yesterday I was talking to this guy who has the, um, the new SRAM dropper, the wireless one. I don't know if they call that the reverb still or not. But he showed me that the way that thing's set up is that there's like two different bolts and one of the bolts tightens and loosens the seat so that the rails can go forward or back or you could take the seat off. And the other bolt that has nothing to do with it, like you turn that one and it adjusts the, the up and the down of the nose, which is just amazing. So it's like, because the way it is now, like if you try to like tilt the seat one direction or the other on the regular seat post it just like ends up loosening it and then sometimes like then your your seat goes wonky goes forward it slides back a little bit more than what you want like it's just a pain in the ass so that's what i hate the most about my my mountain bike um the dad's asking what the best and cheapest dropper post is. I don't know what the cheapest one is. Um, the best, in my opinion, is the PNW. I really like the PNW. I like the the company. I like when I've talked to the owner. I've had him on the biker bar before. Seems like a real stand up dude. Um, every time I've talked to them about any kind of customer service thing, they're always like kicking ass. People, other people that I talk to, they've done a great job. They're priced well. They're not super expensive, but um, they work. All the droppers that I had, for the most part, I've only had to put air in them every couple of months or so. And the one that I've had the longest, I had to take apart once and lube it. Like, And they have a video online that shows how to do it. And it was really super simple. And I'm not a person that's like down to like do suspension maintenance typically but I watched the video that they had online and it was super simple. And, uh, I was like, okay, well I'll do that. And I took it apart, did what they said and it solved it, like made it work even better. Then I was like, all right, well, that's that. They also have a real simple system to adjust the travel. So if you don't have a dropper in your, your 
bike that can go as low as freaking possible, you're doing it wrong. So like for me, like I have a 200 in my, in my, my bike, I can't put anything bigger than that in there because it won't fit in the, in the down tube. And, um, if I could get a 210, I would put it in there, but this particular bike, the, uh, the way that the suspension is on the Bronson, that's about as, as low as it goes. But let's just say you have a 170 right now, but you still have some room, but you know, you couldn't fit a 200. You could get the 200 dropper and adjust it to like maybe 185 because they change it in like five, I think it's like five millimeter increments. And uh, then you would still get more drop. And to me, I want that seat as low as freaking possible. I wanted to get out. Like if I could hit a button and that thing just folded up like inspector gadget and went into the bike, it was just gone. I'd be, uh, I'd be all about it. So, um, anyways, so that's, that's, that's my favorite dropper PNW. Um, if, if SRAM was making a 200 millimeter axis dropper, I would buy it just because I love the idea. A, I love once I saw that, that way that you could, uh, um, adjust the seat that like made me extremely happy. Cause that's one of those things I freaking hate. Like I just said a minute ago. And then the other end of it is just like, it's so easy to take out. So like, if you're like, you could take it out and switch it to another bike, or if you want to take it out and I don't know if those things, do you have to put air in that thing? I don't know. Maybe if you do, then it'd be easy for that. But like, if your seat post will start squeaking, that shit happens. So you could take it out, put some, some carbon grease in there or some regular grease on there and put it back in and not like be worried about the cable or the cable stretching or it makes your cockpit look like so much cleaner because it's only like two cables up front. I just think it looks sick. I would do it if they had a 200. They don't have a 200 though. Um, the next thing that I think that I would like to talk about is the next piece of like equipment on the bike that I really feel like I don't understand why it's still there. And to me, um, that is the derailleur, the rear derailleur. I really don't understand why we're still creating, like, I am surprised that we're still making bikes with the derailleur. I really don't understand why the gearbox and, and, or something else that's like that, a geared hub, uh, a geared something. We don't even know what the hell it is. Like, I don't understand why that's not a thing. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, we're like riding bikes through this like chunky rock and we have this device that's integral to how the, the bike propels itself forward, hanging off down by the ground. Like, like that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, I feel like there's, there's like, why is that? Why is that? That just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't compute. Does not compute. Does not compute. Needs more beer. All right. Hang on a second. Anybody got any questions? Throw them up in there. What's up, Paul Punter? I saw him just join. So something else I wanted to say that I haven't done a live stream on the Biker Bar or a Biker Bar podcast. I haven't done a Biker Bar podcast by myself since episode one. 
And I don't know why, but I can I can still I could start come out here and start a biker live stream and talk for three or four hours and not even care and not even like for a second feel like like that matters or I'm going to be like worried about how it goes or whatever. And every time in the last however long it's been on the biker bar, if I had a guest cancel or fall through that shit happens, you know, people like people's lives getting away. Um, I, uh, I always, every time I think about doing a biker bar episode by myself, I would just shy away and it would just be like, that's too much. I don't know if I can do that. I'd get nervous about it. Then I'd think about what I could do and what I could talk about. And I'd be like, tell myself like, dude, you do all those biker podcasts, like live streams. Why are you even freaking tripping? Like, and when it would come down to it, I'd just make up some kind of excuse and I wouldn't do it. And so that was something that that's, that's something that makes today's stream special for me is that I decided to come out here and just sit down and, and prove to myself, like, get over it, dude, you can do it. You know, you can do it. Like you got the gift of gab. It's been an hour and 45 minutes. I've been sitting out here talking the whole time. And uh, hopefully you guys have been uh, entertained. Uh, if you haven't, hit the thumbs down button two times. But if you have, hit it, the thumbs up at least once. That would be that would make me happy. It would be cool to see this channel at least double by next year. And the only way that I'm going to get that to happen is by you guys hitting the subscribe button. Like the community of people out there, you have to like tell your friend about this podcast. You have to go... If you listen to it on the podcast, go out there and write a review or like give it a star rating or whatever it is that your podcast app does. Like that's the only way this 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 thing's gonna keep going. And you know, maybe by the time next year comes around, I mean, hopefully this this thing's doing like well. I'm gonna really try my hardest over this next year to stick to doing those clips and uh try to come up with some things that um maybe make the show a little bit more a little bit more unique so i was thinking about before i started this again um or this episode today i was thinking it would be really cool like um maybe if i had something like this like a monthly one or every other month where where it's just um like a q a or whatever we talk about we could talk about a topic i could tell you some more stories whatever it is um I think that would, I don't know. I just I I want a way to include you guys because I know you guys come on, you listen to the episodes, you're always chatting in the comments, and uh, and I don't always get to pay a lot of attention to you, and I do that on purpose because I really want that conversation with the guests to be really fluid, and if you're paying attention to comments or they're paying attention to comments, um, sometimes it doesn't let the the the, the conversation go the way that that it, it would. And I feel like, um, it's hard enough for some people to get on and talk. Like not everybody has the ability just to, to do what I'm doing right now. And, um, they're nervous. And so just being able to talk to them and like be real and not have that, that comment show going on to them is easier for them to focus on just us talking about what we're talking about. And if I see something, I'm watching the comments the whole time though. So a lot of times guys will throw up a super chat. I'll throw out a thank you on the, on the typing, uh, you know, if I can. And if I can't, like, honestly, you guys mean a lot. It, it does mean a lot when I see those super chats. It does help. 
Um, there was a guy who used to be $5 every time, every time he got on $5 and that dude, that's awesome. It's so cool. Like totally helps. Um, but anyways, uh, I don't remember what I was ranting about there. I kind of feel like I made my point already or something. I don't know. Oh, either way you guys need to subscribe. And if you, because I don't know, man, I don't know what happens. Like if I don't see like, if this thing just stay doesn't grow anymore and this is it, then maybe I lose my motivation. You know what I mean? So I can tell you that seeing subscriber, seeing the subscriber count grow keeps me motivated. So that's the best way you can you guys can help out. If you want to do something for free, just hit the subscribe button. Um, it means a lot to have you guys here though. Honestly, I, sometimes when I look back on, on, when I started biker, like what were my goals? I, I don't know if I really had a clear set mindset or like plan of where I saw the channel or how long I saw myself doing it. And it's changed and morphed along the way. But one thing that I didn't, I know that I didn't really think about was like the community of friends that I would get out of it. And I mean, there's almost most of the people in my life that I hang out with, I've met through the channel or through mountain biking, um, which is pretty rad. I mean, a lot of, I, I would say the majority of my friends are all through the channel um, because that's just the way it goes. You, you ride bikes. One of my friends was saying recently, like if you ride mountain bikes, like you end up just having mountain bike friends because if you don't ride mountain bikes, for a weekend, then you start losing some fitness. And so you're always trying to do it at least every weekend. Right. And you also want to hang out with your friends. So the friends that you end up hanging out with are the ones that also want to ride bikes with you. And so it just kind of becomes that like all your friends are riders and uh, I'm okay with that because everybody that I've, I've been riding with a bunch of cool people. And that's what, one of the things that's super rad about the channel is going out and like being able to go out on the trail and just meet a bunch of you guys and and some of you we don't hang out but some of you i've seen on the trail a ton of times and some of you guys have rode with me a handful of times some of you guys just like chat with me on instagram and like i know you specifically through that interaction and i think that's really rad and it's i feel fortunate and lucky to have that and it's definitely not something that i i considered when i started um as being like a benefit i, I if i wanted to like be 100 percent dead honest when I started the channel, I remember telling people, if I can make enough money doing this to pay for one part, I feel like I've succeeded. And because it was just fun. It was fun for me to create. And it was fun for me to like read the comments. It's fun for me to see that subscriber count grow. And it it means a lot to, to be part of this community. And sometimes as the channel is growing, I can see where um there's potential that at a certain point i can't answer all the comments anymore or i can't like answer messages on instagram um just because it gets to be more of those than there would be time to be able to continue making content right so um that part is it makes me kind of sad to think about but on the other hand i know that i'll still be able to have a great core group of people that will come and go through the channel and that'll be friends. And whether you're on Patreon or you're on Instagram or you're on Facebook, wherever you're following me at, um, 
or you just fist bump out in the trail. I mean, there's some people that have been like, yeah, man, I met you like two or three times. Met you here, met you there. You're always like, thanks a lot. That's cool, dude. That's really cool. That's really, really cool. And uh, I appreciate all you guys, man. Somebody's saying that I have a, a magnetic personality. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> That's my draw. Maybe more ride videos. I'm working on that. I'm definitely working on that. I'm uh, editing a uh, a video from Exchequer Bike Park right now. If you guys are on Patreon, I, I was making a video a week for a while. I think it's like every other week now of like some just Patreon exclusive stuff. And that's all ride videos. Like I'm only putting that out on Patreon because I can make those edits like really quick. I'm riding a ton now. I, I mean, I pretty much ride at least five days a week. Um, sometimes more, sometimes less, but typically it's at least about five days a week. I'm mountain biking and I can easily go out and just make a video of me riding and edit it like super duper fast and put it up on Patreon because it doesn't have to be all polished and awesome thumbnail and like music and everything. It's just like old biker videos of me riding, cracking dumb jokes and talking shit about climbs. Like, so if that's what you're looking for, man, those are on there. So, um, join Patreon. That's the best I can tell you. Um, the main reason, like, I mean, it sounds like one of those like YouTube kind of things like, Oh, send me some money and I'll give you some content. Like, the main reason that I'm not putting those videos out on my, my channel is just because if I, if I put out videos that maybe don't, um, a video like that's not going to perform well. That's the best way I can say it. And, um, if I put those out on Patreon, those are like my, my super fans. You guys are cool to watch that shit. You don't care. And it doesn't fuck up like the, the algorithm, the, the, the covenant algorithm. So, um, I like to make the ones that go out on YouTube be like super polished and have music and good voiceovers and, you know, spend time making the audio sound right or the tweaking the colors on the video and things of that nature. So with the quick and dirty stuff, go to Patreon. Otherwise, here you go. <laughs> um, man, it's almost two hours. I'm super excited. I'm super excited that I, uh, I did this and I feel like it's, I feel like this is a good episode. You guys let me know in the comments. What do you think about this episode so far? Is this something that I should do on a regular? You think I should have like a, like a, like a script or something that I follow, or you guys just kind of like the, the, the freaking fast and quick from the hip or whatever the fuck they say. How do they, I don't know how they say that. I'm gonna drink this beer while you guys come up with some questions. I was listening to Sandra Looney, her podcast the other day. And um, she was just really talking about how much she's grown from doing her podcast. And she was talking about how much she like cared about, you know, her subscribers and um, everything that she's learned. Shoot from the hip. Thanks. And, uh, and it just really made me reflect that, you know, I haven't talked to you guys about that. And I try to, but a lot of times, man, when I tell you, you guys how much you as subscribers mean to me, um, a lot of times it just, it, at least for me, it feels like people probably maybe think that that's just like, it's fake. Like it's like something that people just say so that, you know, I can then talk you into going to Patreon and help them support me, you know, or I can like talk you into hitting the subscribe button. But realistically, man, this channel is like, means a lot to me. And there's times when 
it's been stressful and it's been tough and hard. Uh, it's uh, there's been times that I was like certain that I was going to quit. Like I was done. And it's the people that are here on the channel that comment and, you know, hit the thumbs up button and all that, you know, over there on Instagram chatting with me over there and stuff, the people on Patreon, people that are buying shirts, all the, all of you that are in the biker community that, um, you guys are the reason that I don't quit because, uh, I don't really know why I wouldn't otherwise, like if it wasn't for this community, um, I, uh, I would love to make enough money on YouTube to quit my job and be a full-time YouTuber, whatever, however that, whatever that means. Like, I don't know if that means be a full-time podcaster or full-time. I don't know. I think there's a, like a, like a mix that I would like to see it. Like, like what I'm doing right now, but not have to go to work too. still. That would be awesome. But, um, if it doesn't happen, then that doesn't really matter either. But, uh, if it does happen, the only way it's going to happen at this point is by you guys supporting me. Um, so if that was ever a plug for you to go to Patreon, help a 43 year old guy quit his job, that'd be awesome. <laughs> if, if, if you're not feeling that and, uh, you don't think it's realistic, I get it. It probably isn't. So what I was getting at is, I mean, I, I, I have a, I have a day job and that day job is the one that pays the bills. And, uh, and, I don't, I don't have to do this content. I don't have to come out here every Sunday, every Sunday and, and talk for two hours. Like I don't have to stay up late editing or making thumbnails or stopping in the middle of my ride to take pictures. So I make sure I have enough like new content to put on Instagram. Like I don't have to do any of that. And I choose to, I choose to do that because of you guys, like, that's really it. Like I really choose to do all of these things because of this community. Like, yeah, getting parts and stuff like that at a discount, that's rad, but it, it's not as rad as this community. You know, I definitely make enough money to buy parts on my own. Um, but this community is priceless. And I think that's the, the, biggest reason that I, or not think I know I know that's the biggest reason that I do this that's the reason that I I won't that I keep going whenever I want to quit I, I meet so many people through this channel that are like man you motivated me to do this or you helped me through that I was getting a divorce and watching your channel helped out I freaking broke my collarbone and watching your videos made me laugh while I was healing um you motivated me to lose weight and I've lost a hundred pounds or whatever, you know, like all kinds of shit, all kinds of shit that I like never thought that would be like part of the, the deal when I started. And, um, I, for this anniversary, I want you guys to know like how much you all mean. And, um, after this, after the show's over, then it's, it's like back to dick jokes and, and a whole lot of fuck yous and shit like that, right? <laughs> Bunch of talking shit and and uh, riding bikes and whatever, you know? But right now, I'm just trying to be, trying to come clean with you guys because 
when I was listening to Sandra's show, it really made me, me like put all of it into perspective about what this channel means to me and what it's done for me, like my own personal growth and uh, like how much this like defines me, you know, like it's really, really, uh, it's been quite the ride. It really has been quite the ride. And I'm glad you guys are all along for it. So no, um, nothing else to say there, man. I mean, really, honestly, that's, that's it. And, uh, here we are right now about to hit the two hour mark. And I was all, I was all worried, man. Can I carry a two hour show by myself and just freaking make it happen? And I really feel like I did. And I, I'm super proud of that. And I want you guys to know one thing before I take off. And this thing really means, I really mean it because I mean, this is the core re the core of this channel and the biker channel, the biker bar, all of it. It's the truth. And it's the dead honest truth. It only takes a bike to be a biker. So get out and be one bitches. <laughs>